Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 140 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we've got kind of a shortened one um, for basically our normal episodes, a shortened episode of the pod. But uh, this one, we wanted to keep it pretty simple, pretty basic, but um, all focused on the Manchester United-Liverpool match that happened on Tuesday, um, just because, as you all know, I'm a Manchester United fan and Tyler's a Liverpool fan, so it's kind of been known as like the... Premier Pod Derby. So we wanted to keep this episode pretty simple and have it focused around these two clubs and though like that matchup that obviously ended up going um, favorably towards Liverpool's um, side. And then Manchester United obviously suffered a huge defeat during that game. But yeah, I think that was pretty much expected, um, you know, before like we get really into it. I think that was a result most people, most neutrals expected uh, just because United have been struggling pretty much this entire season. Liverpool have just been a juggernaut that just keeps on rolling like throughout the entire season. And it's just two teams coming in two different forms. And obviously the team that was in the better form played like the team that was in better form. And Manchester United played like a team that was struggling, that has been struggling all season. And they just definitely showed their leaks and cracks um, throughout that entire game. Uh, So it was a pretty dominant Liverpool display. And yeah, Liverpool ran away with that game. There's not there's not much you could do. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a little surprised just based on the result because usually in a big game, I feel like form and things like that, although it's notable, it it's very likely that it could just be thrown out the window because it's like you're just there for the occasion. You know, we're playing at Anfield. It's one of the biggest rivalries in all of the Premier League and all of England, really. So it's like two of the big juggernauts kind of going mono mono and seeing if. Manchester United can go for those top four positions while Liverpool still can fight for that Premier League title. And I'm not going to lie, that Manchester United starting 11 that was put out, it didn't feel like a very competitive lineup, if I'm being honest. I'm surprised like Phil Jones, for example, got a start in this one. Phil Jones, a man who barely played in like the past several years regularly, gets to start in one of the biggest games of the year. And yeah, he started over Bailly. Uh, Ralph Reniak said it was either him or Bailly, and he chose Phil Jones. I mean, that just kind of shows the... the. I mean, it just shows a pecking order and kind of like where, you know, where the manager values certain players, you know. Uh, also, Ronaldo, unfortunately, sad news for him, but he wasn't um, available to play because uh, a day before on Monday, he announced that him and his wife announced that their baby twin um, or baby son um, pat, like passed away. Uh, recently or passed away that day. So obviously like emotionally, it just wasn't going to be available to play. And it was cool seeing the Anfield crowd and Manchester United crowd all combined to give him a, a basically a warm applaud, even though he wasn't there, but just giving him a warm reaction in the seventh minute. Um, both, you know, both supporters kind of combining in that, that fashion. That was cool to see. Uh, but yeah, obviously Ronaldo not being available there. United were kind of left with playing Rashford and Alenga up top. Um, Jaden Sancho was, kind of rested it, it was just a new formation because um obviously if Manchester United tried to go mano a mano with Liverpool with it's the, the way Manchester United I guess envisioned themselves they want to play they just would have gotten picked apart easily like super easily I mean you saw Norwich pick them apart very easily so I think Ralph Rennick he tried to kill it play um a little bit more defensively and I guess you know obviously the players are just shows, shot out of confidence that they were just it was just so easy for Liverpool to pick them apart 
I think it got a little bit better in the second half when instead of going for a back three, he went for a back four. Um, he, you know, he got, he put Jesse Lingard in. I mean, it got a little bit better when Jaden Sancho came in. He, he proved a little bit of a threat for those opening 15 minutes in the second half. It looked like Liverpool kind of switched off a bit and it looked like United could create some dangerous chances, but obviously Liverpool kind of woke up again and just kind of went full throttle. And, you know, once they got this, the third goal, it was just kind of lights out. And then the fourth goal just came by subsequent of the third goal going in type thing. Yeah. And also before I keep going to condolences, my condolences to Ronaldo's past son, that was, that was so rough to even hear, like, especially just out of the blue. I didn't even know like what was going on. And then I didn't know until the game itself. And I feel like that kind of did rattle most of Manchester United as well. Like that starting 11, because y'all were actually coming off like a pretty big high just because Ronaldo he scored like a banger <laughs> that free kick against Norwich. So I feel like he's, they're kind of getting off the high from that. And I thought that would be able to something that they can kind of rally behind and kind of push through. But mm-hmm. it was kind of rough hearing all that news kind of right before the game, kind of mentally. And I mean, it's never easy. And also, especially just on top of that, having the pressure playing at Anfield as well. So, I mean, this starting 11, it, they're kind of just thrown <laughs> just into the deep end, just straight up, and they didn't have Ronaldo there to kind of help them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like it was pretty dominant from Liverpool. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was surprisingly dominant, and especially like this year in general, because I believe the last reverse fixture at Old Trafford was 5-0. So I think this is, I read a statistic that this is like the biggest deficit that Manchester United has had in both games combined in one season against one team i think in either the history or like many years or something like that or at least in the premier yeah, league era premier but, league history yeah nine knows like the biggest deficit they faced between two fixtures by the same team um in premier league history so it was a pretty historically terrible two fixtures for manchester united mm-hmm. when it's come, when so, it's come facing liverpool i mean so they're basically on a tail or a a, a tale of two tales, I guess. Liverpool going up mm-hmm. while Manchester United kind of, as we kind of been mentioning most of the season, kind of going down. But it's kind of interesting too because this is also one of the first big matchups between like Ralph Rangnick and Jurgen Klopp, like the godfather of the Gangan Press and the man himself who kind of lives off the Gangan Press, Jurgen Klopp. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird how like the Padawan almost did so well <laughs> against Manchester United. And I feel like the energy for Manchester United also just wasn't there too. It's just like, I feel like in order to do, you know, this particular tactic, this particular play style, you have to just bring the energy. You have to have to bring that nonstop relentlessness. And I just felt like mm-hmm. Manchester United just, they're just on like the back foot. And that was one of the main criticisms too, where it didn't really feel like the motivation was there for the players until uh, the Tunisian youth player, I believe is like Hannibal. I can't pronounce his last name. He yeah, just had mem- like some memory. big hair. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't memory. know who yeah, he yeah, was, he but he, he he came on for five <laughs> minutes and did more. He showed more effort than probably half the squad did. Like 90% of the squad mm-hmm. did the entire game. Um, it was so random though. Kind of seeing, I had no idea who he was. He came on to his big game. He was kind of <laughs> hot headed. I would say he got into the faces of like every single Liverpool player he could get into. And, I feel like yeah. he directly contributed to them conceding a goal also near the end too. So I don't know. I, I feel like he kind of lost the plot a little bit, but at least 
surprisingly, uh, Manchester United kind of saw that as like a positive where it's like, it looked like there's finally someone who cared on the pitch, whereas everyone else just kind of, just kind of there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, did, what did you yeah. think about this, the squad in terms of just how they kind of reacted to everything? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been pretty, I mean, when they face Manchester City and Liverpool this season, they've just looked so off the off the cuff, like miles below both City and Liverpool in terms of just quality, effort, cohesion, everything you could think of. Like United are, have been, you know, far, far, far below them in pretty much every statistical category and everything. And there was even a statistic like Ali Sun had a better pass accuracy, more passes than United's entire midfield, which is just pretty shocking. I mean, United's midfield was completely silent or just there, it was not there. And I think when you, you mentioned like the gang and pressing, I think that also comes down to having the right profile players that can do that type of work. Manchester United, unfortunately, just do not have those type of profile players that fit that type of profile that can just put in the shift of doing a pressing style um, every game or doing it for a 90 minutes or close to 90 minutes as possible. It's just the the squad has just not been built that way. I think it was very telling that Ralph Raniak, he pretty much went on a big tear on like the entire United squad and basically said that this squad needs a, a total rebuild because he said he knew from like the first three weeks of coming into the job that this squad was not good enough or it, it, it was not going to be good enough to um, get a, it was not going to be good enough to do the pressing, but also not going to be good enough to challenge for whatever they needed to challenge. Like there's structurally so many, but just wrong players that are in th- at this club. And, you know, when I was working, uh, I worked like the, I worked that game and I also worked the day after that game. And there was a post I had in mind about um, the transfers Liverpool have had, um, comparing the transfers Liverpool and Manchester United have done since Klopp took over Liverpool. So starting from the 2016-17 season. And it it is pretty shocking when you go through each list because I'm I'm not joking. Pretty much like for like, if you go through every season, Manchester United and Liverpool have pretty much signed a player in the same position, albeit one or two people like are changing because like, you know, United didn't need a goalkeeper. uh, Liverpool needed one. But for the most part, during Klopp's first season, they signed a left winger, or they signed a right winger. Manchester United signed a right winger. Uh, Liverpool signed a midfielder. Manchester United signed a midfielder. Liverpool signed a center back. Manchester United's. It, if you go down the list, it's pretty much like for like similar. And it's just honestly astonishing when you go through the list and just look at the players Liverpool bought and how how many of those players contributed to them winning trophies and pretty much have been with the squad now or either were sold later for a bigger fee or played their part of being part of a title-winning squad. And you look at the players Manchester United have bought during that same time and pretty much the same similar position that have honestly have gone for more money in terms of like how much they were bought for but have contributed way less and either have like flaked out and just burned out of the Premier League or ended up flopping, never ended up fulfilling their potential. And it, it's just crazy to see like the power of good scouting, good basically good scouting, but also good coaching development on the side of Jurgen Klopp. Um, I think it's like a combination, a hard combination of those two. But I think Ralph Ranić and obviously Eric Ten Hag being confirmed as a new head coach, I think with those two at the helm, I hopefully you see United kind of turn the corner and try to replicate kind of the system Liverpool and other the, the other big teams have kind of done where you're not just going out and buying the highest profile, flashiest player just because they're the most expensive and they'll sell a bunch of shirts. But you're signing, 
you know, you're signing the right profile player that can fit the right system and then that can do the work. Because if you look at it, Liverpool and United have spent close to the same amount of money during some of the transfer windows, but it's about Liverpool buying the right profile players that led to them winning titles. But United spent that cash on big name players that don't necessarily fit the profile of the manager. And you're just kind of left with the discombobulated squad filled with players that fit different regimes of different coaches. And it's just like a whole mess of a situation. I feel like also, I, I remember that exact post. And I was, I was thinking that had something to do with you. <laughs> I was like, seems too good to be, uh, <laughs> seems too coincidental. coincidental. Yeah. Um, but what's surprising about that list too, when comparing Liverpool versus Manchester United transfers over the past several years was just, I, I was more surprised that, Although I always say, you know, Manchester United are kind of the key kind of club to sign the big name players. They also aren't afraid to sign like those potential like youth players that have a lot of promise and a lot of upside. But so far, I haven't really seen them since like Ama Diallo. Like that was one of the key ones where he was like one of he was like a He's winger hype. from Atalanta. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of hype. I haven't heard anything about him. Yeah, he's out on yeah, the Rangers. And like, yeah, I mean, it, that um, it's I, I agree with you. I think we've we've taken some swings with like some big kind of younger profile players like Aaron Juan Basaka that summer was ca- kind of like one of the more highly touted right backs in the Premier League because he had a he was player of the season for Crystal Palace that year. And it was looking like, OK, this guy could be a, a, a legitimate good right back. And he granted, he did show a lot of promise that first season, but obviously he's kind of been found out of not being the best going forward attacking and also positionally he can get himself in trouble at times especially in the back post and it seems like he's kind of um faltered out donny van de Beek obviously was a huge talent at ajax they brought him in but obviously we had already had bruno fernandez so he didn't really he was kind of just like a a necessary buy essentially um i agree with you and then he had son like diego dalo who obviously wasn't super i guess hyped up to be the next great Portuguese right back, but he was kind of a, he was 19, I believe when we signed him. So there was potential mm-hmm. that, okay, he could be a solid starter and his, you know, he's all right, but he's not there. Like in terms of just being a, a starting quality right back, he's not there. Um, and, you know, yeah, we've just a, done a, a bunch of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just been a lot of swings and misses, like not even strategic swings and misses, just swings and misses that have just kind of been thrown out there. And, I look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's three transfer windows at Manchester United, and it's pretty crazy. Some of some like just genuinely how bad some of those signings have ended up being. I mean, Harry Maguire uh, going for world expensive fee has unfortunately not really turned out to be the player that we thought he was. He's really shot out of confidence. Is con- consistently making errors. Aaron Wan Bissaka going for around sixty six million. Obviously, as we know, hasn't really panned out that well. Dan James. Honestly, it could be seen as like the only positive because he was sold as a profit for le- to lead. So that's one good thing there. But that second transfer window, getting an aging Edison Cavani, a Palestri that was a young kind of hopeful buy, project player buy, Ahmad Diallo, another project player buy, um, Donny Van de Beek obviously was just kind of like a extra resource there. wasn't really needed. Alex Telles has proved to just be kind of like just really just like an okay squad player, not really a starting left back quality. So it's just too many swings and misses. Meanwhile, Liverpool have very rarely kind of flopped with their signings under Klopp. Like pretty much every big buy at under Klopp has panned out in some sort of way. 
very rarely have they flopped on a player. And even if they do flop on a player, it's usually for like an Ozan Kabak, Kabak who comes in for like a very small like loan fee. And he's just there like for a temporary stay and then he's out. It's never, oh, we splash $85 million on like a Paul Pugba to be like the, the key cornerstone player and he doesn't pan out. It's, I always wonder what kind of puts a player on that Liverpool scouts radar because whenever you see like the data and analytics department of Liverpool pick out a player, like when they picked out Luis Diaz, it's like, oh, snap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's Jota. something legit. Mm, Diego Jota as well. It's just like, you know, those players are good, but then once they get like selected, once like Liverpool is like, we want you, it's like, all right, something special about them. It's like, what do they find? And then once they come to the club, it's something different. It's like, dang, how did, like other clubs knew, but like Liverpool just knows like, all right, this is definitely the player. No doubts about it. And I mean, that's just been going on ever since like, you know, Sadio Mane, Salah, yeah. uh, Van Dyke. Like the list goes on. Wijnaldum. I actually have a, yeah, Wijnaldum as well. But I actually have a question for Harry Maguire because he was a player that even I was kind of saying is like Liverpool, they needed a center back at the time is like, he's he was like one of the most hyped center backs, but then... Mm-hmm. Like I always like to say Liverpool don't usually don't buy like the most hype player, like the most the player with like the most kind of you know Yeah, like they wouldn't be going for Declan about. Rice. Yeah, they, they like yeah, Liverpool would not be linked to Declan Rice. Like they'd find like a cheaper alternative or like a different um midfield option. Like it's never if you think of the most hype player, Liverpool usually aren't the ones linked to him. Like a Declan Rice, no yeah, and like the list goes on. They're usually not linked to those type of players. So I like on top of that though, like it was a lot of pressure just on top of that for Manchester United players coming into the club because they got the hype, they got the name, they got the the price tag put on them. But Harry Maguire in particular, he's the captain. He's like one of like the most expensive players that Manchester United has ever purchased. Do you think he can come back at Manchester United? Do you think he can rejuvenate his career at some point or anything? Because there is a there's also another kind of post I saw where someone I think posted like his last 30 games I'm actually and looked at his ratings in terms of like his match ratings and like you know mm-hmm. that that rating yeah. where it's like you start yeah, at like a 6.0 yeah he's pretty and then much like throughout the game sixes the entire last 30 games yeah so I mean so which means like it's it's very average <laughs> that's yeah. basically what that means they I, you know, he's been a very poor player in a very poor season for Manchester United. So I, I like to take that into account. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like his confidence is just really shot at the moment. I don't know if like the new manager comes in. I think a lot of United fans are just kind of accepted that, you know, he's just not going to be it as the center back. And they're honestly willing to just let him go for like even half the price or even one fourth of the price to another club or have him loaned out because. I think they just want a fresh start. I think they're, I think like the pressure of, I, I think the pressure really got to Maguire because I think Harry Maguire is a solid center back because you see it with England. He plays really well with the England national team and he was really good with Leicester City. And granted, he was pretty decent his first season at Manchester United. Like he, yeah, there was a couple errors, but most of the time he was pretty solid once they started to build some momentum. But I think the world record fee for being a center back and also being handed um, captain to be the captain of Manchester United. I think those two things, and then along with just the kind of the pressure Manchester United playing for a team like Man- Manchester United brings, I think it was just too much. And even though he probably won't admit it publicly, I think you can definitely tell. Like it just seems like it's it's just too much for him because he's always whenever he does play, he's always trying to do 
more than what's asked for him. He's always trying to do like the the more complicated things, but that usually comes with players that are out of confidence. When you're out of confidence, you try to do something to kind of spark that confidence back into you. But because of that, it's just leading to more and more errors, and it just seems like he just can't get out of his own head. Yeah, I feel like he's just not thinking straight. Like even that first Liverpool breakaway goal. Yeah, he, just, like he was just he so out of position. I was, yeah. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> it's like, it's like y'all are handicapped with Harry Maguire back there to the point where it's like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty apparent and it's pretty mm-hmm. sad. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It's just like, you can kind of, it's a very apparent kind of loss in confidence and just, just lost the plot in terms of just like who he is and what yeah. now he's become. So, I mean, him and Bill Jones, I mean, they're almost like the same level, which is kind of crazy yeah. to say at this point. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if he can recover from that. I feel like he does need a new pasture. Kind of like how Chris Smalling is now at Roma. Like he's kind of finding yeah. a little bit of rebirth after so long at Manchester United. And yeah. I feel like Harry Maguire, he I feel like there's still a market for him somewhere. Like everyone Yeah, no, can, he's a solid center back. I don't know if he's going to be picked up by another kind of Champions League Champions League team, but I think there's definitely a market for him to just kind of go maybe abroad and just kind of rejuvenate himself a bit because I think right now, at least, maybe under Ten Hag, he can finally, maybe he can instill, you know, as we've seen with good coaches, I, I feel like with Chelsea, with Tuchel, I think there was a lot of players that were kind of flaked out or burned out under uh, Lampard, and we thought they were never going to come back. You know, players like Rudiger, um, Kepa, they, you know, list goes on with Chelsea, but um, Thomas Tuchel came in and instilled, like, actual confidence in those players and basically turned them back into the good players that they once were. So maybe the coach coming in, that actually knows what they're like, you know, that can implement his style to fit his way. Maybe that could help, but I don't know at this point, but there was a really good tweet. I guess last thing about Manchester United, there was a really good tweet um, that um, someone put about Manchester United with the Ten Hag news coming in. And he basically said that um, United fans like kind of need to come to the realization that with Eric Ten Hag um, comes in, you need to let go of all your player what is it like um affection not affection towards players but like you know how every team or every fan has like kind of like oh that's my favorite player like you need to let go mm-hmm. all, like all of that because yeah you need to let go of all of that and you need to trust ten hog if ten hog believes like xx so player even he even if he's like your club favorite or your favorite player if he doesn't believe that this player is going to fulfill my system or um he's going to be a he's going to enhance the team going forward, then you have to let go of all of that and trust him because I think that's been the problem ever since post-Fergie has been, um, the fan base has been so attached to certain players and basically managers have just kind of been forced into shoehorning them into the side even though they don't fit their um, their needs. I remember that one summer when Jose Mourinho wanted to swap uh, Martial with Ivan Perisic. Granted, would have that, would have that been would that have been the smartest deal at the time, probably no, but obviously Jose Mourinho saw something of Martial where he probably thought that this guy probably isn't going to make out to be like the full potential that he could be. So why not just trade him now? But I remember, at, me included, I got really fed up with that because I, I thought that was a horrible move for the growth of the Manchester United as a football club. But I think with Ten Hag, you kind of just need to trust him. If he believes David De Gea or Bruno Fernandes or... XYZ player of Marcus Rashford or anyone, if he just feels like they're just going to hold the team back and they need to be sold off for the next summer, you got to trust him because Jurgen Klopp did the same thing. He was ruthless with the squad that was given to him. Granted, you know, Liverpool, 
you know, I'm not trying to diss Liverpool, but when the club came in, it's not like they had star quality, you know, quality after quality, but he was ruthless with the likes of Daniel Sturge. He didn't play him very mm-hmm. consistently. Felipe Coutinho, he did play him, but once Coutinho's head kind of got turned, he was like, okay, how can I turn him into a profit? Sold him to Barca, use that money to get Van Dijk, a player that wanted to be at Liverpool. So every top manager like Pep Guardiola coming into City, selling Joe Hart, kind of, you know, selling the club favorites, but for the benefactory of like in the future that they're going to get better players that fit the need of the coach. I think that's the most important lesson that I'm going to be full on Eric Ten Hag and Rafa Reniak. If they feel like an XO player is not going to fit the team going forward, get rid of them, man. We need, we need a proper rebuild. We need, um, we just need to get better again. And we're not going to get better again, holding on to the hope that certain player is going to make us like a star studded team again. Yeah. And I can even, kind of attribute to certain players on top of what you just said that happened to Liverpool. Cause like Lucas Leva, probably one of the most beloved players at Liverpool, you know, unlucky like that guy. <laughs> yeah. He was, he's played for Jurgen Klopp for like a few seasons, but he, you know, ultimately he was sold off to Lazio and he's, you know, kind of re- rejuvenated his career there, but it's just under the Klopp system. It just, he wasn't as good. And also he was still kind of suffering from kind of injuries throughout the past several seasons prior and just couldn't really live to to live up to the potential there. So, I mean, even he like as a late bloomer in his career, kind of rejuvenating it back at in the Italian league, it's like it, it worked for him. So, Mm -hmm. and other players too, that were like the favorites of Brandon Rogers, you know, Joe Allen, you got Flanagan, Ben Woodburn, all those, like all these kind of players that had a lot of potential that just didn't really pan out. You don't really hear about him again. I mean, I still think about Joe Allen a lot because he's he's like well shabby. But I mean, like Ben Woodburn, you haven't heard that name in a while. And like John Flagan, it's like, where do you even go? And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's really easy to kind of forget about them. Like, because it's kind of cutthroat. It's kind of competitive. But that's not the thing about Liverpool. It's like, although we really like some of those players, now we have like Trent Alexander-Arnold getting that big start at right back. And now he's like my favorite player. And we have certain players yeah. taking over in the middle. Instead of Lucas Leiva, we have Fabinho. And then yeah. on top of that, it's like a compounding positive correlation and a, like kind of effect yeah. where now that kind of culture kind of brings in certain players like Thiago. Like Thiago Alcantara, like literally, I didn't really, I, I wasn't really attached to him that much because like I feel like he was like one of those players that kind of just comes in to try to win immediately. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he really had the affinity of the, of the, of the fans being like, does he really care? But I mean, after he's been at the club for a while now, it's like, I'm, he's starting to grow on me. And like that quality yeah. is something it's like, you can't really get unless um, you have like the right culture to attract these certain players. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and he was brought in for a pretty low transfer fee. It was like, with, like mid 20 yeah. million pounds somewhere mm-hmm. around there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, pro- it's, he's um, proven his worth. Yeah. And uh, on top of that too, a lot of these players, I think we kind of mentioned in several pods too. It's like they have been at the club for years now. Like Sadio yeah, Mane, Mo Salah, and like Mo Salah. Like they kind of mentioned in one of the post game interviews recently against Manchester United um, that they have this kind of affinity or like this kind of chemistry now after just playing for five years. Like that that one mm-hmm. beautiful pass from Mane to Salah. Yeah. Like that's just something it's that crazy. kind of that came was- out from just having that one-to-one connection after playing so long. And I feel like with Manchester United right now, there's not really that kind of a, there's not really that kind of 
chemistry amongst the players to really kind of make those kind of connections and to really just kind of know what everyone else is thinking. It's just like, you know, it, they're just there playing for a big club, getting big checks. And this <laughs> it's like they're chasing the check, but yeah. rarely do you no, see them really playing for the badge. I feel like it's kind of cliche to say, but it's just like this kind of game kind of depicted that a lot where it's like you have, a, you have two successful teams historically, but it's just like how the cultures really have turned in like the past several mm-hmm. seasons. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head there because, um, you know, I think as, you know, you being a Liverpool fan, I'm sure like when Klopp made those big decisions, they let go of maybe some fan favorites or club favorites. It did hurt probably a little bit in the soul. You're like, you know, he's going he's going away. But I think in the in the future, in the long run, it ended up working out for you guys. And I think that's Unfortunately, I hope that happens. At Man- I hope it happens at Manchester United because he needs like Eric Ten Hag and Ralph Rangnick. They need to be ruthless and let go of players if um, just because they're club favorites doesn't mean they have this um, immunity to just stay onto the team as long as they can. You got to go if you're not part of the system. You got to go. But yeah, um, that's kind of Manchester United, just a mess. But Eric Ten Hag being the official head coach now for next season. Hopefully that will mean some exciting times in going forward. It's going to be a long rebuild, but hopefully this rebuild, they can finally get it right and get back on the right track. But yeah, Liverpool, man, they just, they're, they're continuing to roll and they have their eyes on a quadruple, which hopefully does not happen for my sake. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see one quadruple in my lifetime. This is, this is a pretty good chance of it happening. And it's kind of crazy to even say, even like, Five years ago, I was like, I just want to see him win one of each trophy at least once. And uh, they're I doing it pretty Manchester quickly now. Win a trophy again. They haven't won a trophy. <laughs> Dude, the Audi Cup in the summer. <laughs> you got all those. Don't forget about those. That's the start of something. But I mean, geez, it's, um, I don't know. People always say it's like, um, I keep hearing this argument or it's like, I had a friend of mine tell me, it's like, it's kind of great seeing Man U kind of down right now. I'm like, I don't know about that. Because, like, you see, like, Everton right now being down at Liverpool. If they hypothetically get, like, relegated, then Liverpool kind of lose a rival. They lose one of those big games. They lose one of those kind of motivators. Because even when you think about it, Messi and Ronaldo, when there was Barcelona versus Real Madrid, with Messi at Barcelona and Ronaldo at Real Madrid, I don't think we're going to see two players kind of match up with each other and be as competitive Maybe in our lifetimes, kind of like that and live up and just shatter so many records just because they keep pushing each other. And that's kind of how it is with Manchester United and Liverpool, because I feel like with Liverpool holding like the most Premier League titles for so long and then Manchester United finally catching up and overtaking them, that kind of pushed Liverpool to be like, all right, we can't be settling for this. We got to like turn it around, bring in Jurgen Klopp, change the culture, change the club. And then now they're back on top. And then I think like that push, that kind of pressure could bring Manchester United back and kind of keep each other kind of focused out. Cause like, you know, I know it's rough for Manchester United right now and it's good to be a Liverpool fan. It's like, how's it feel? Or imagine being us. <laughs> that's, that's a, a banner I saw during the game. Imagine being us and it's, it's good times, but you know, the good times are here are here for a little bit, but we'll see how long they can stay. And it's kind of like game by game, season by season. But I mean, I don't think Manchester United, given all like the history and the rivalries and 
just like the infrastructure there. As long as like a new culture comes in, I think they'll bounce back. But it's just right now, this hole they're in, they just keeps digging deeper. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I hopefully, I think this rivalry kind of keeps going because what makes a rivalry special is just like it being kind of like 50-50. If it's always mm-hmm. like one person, one team, one person always coming up on top is like, it's not really a competition. It's mm-hmm. like UGA versus Georgia Tech right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When it's, it's just like, lopsided. At least in football. Yeah. But but I mean, back in like maybe even 10 years ago, it was a lot more even. But now it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why, why even watch the game? So that's yeah. kind of how it kind of is. It's just gotten, yeah, it's gotten to that point where Manchester United are kind of like the lowest of the low at this point where they can get. And now it's hopefully they get this rebuild right where maybe they can start being competitive again in those big games and also competing for actual trophies and you know, just kind of getting back to the club they once were um, because post-Fergie, it's just been a mess. And hopefully, hopefully, I'm hoping, as every Manchester United fan are, that they made the right decision. I believe they did, getting Ten Hag and going full-on with him and Ranjik at that realm and just letting them have the keys and letting them do the work that they've shown they've done with other clubs and other, other teams in the past and just seeing what happens from there. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, Tyler Liverpool... Um, uh, dominating victory over Manchester United. I don't know if you had anything else with Liverpool or any, I guess, not even have to do with the game, but anything else with Liverpool as like closing, close it out, close out the show. I mean, yeah, I can probably go and talk about just like a few things, but I think I'll probably mention it in like a future pod because I wanted to talk about the, you know, Man City and FA Cup matchup this past weekend, but, you know, I'll kind of save it for the next pod just to kind of keep this one, the Premier Pier. The Premier Pod Derby exclusive, you know, kind of keep it all in one thing. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see the dub. I'm not going to lie, but it's just like, I know, <laughs> kind of, I'm like, I got a feel for my boy. Yes, I feel bad for him too, though. It's like, I usually don't talk trash because I, I kind of know how it's been. <laughs> it's like, I've been in your shoes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd much rather be right here right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it helped a little bit that I was working the game, so you, you can't. It's hard to get sad, too sad when you're working, but yeah, it's it's just brutal. Uh, the whole season's been a mess. Watching Liverpool dominate United, watching Liverpool and Man City dominate United twice in both fixtures in the Premier League, it was it's rough, and it's just unfortunate because you could just tell when they're playing. It's just like they can't even get a touch of the ball, or they can't even string together four or five passes, and. You know, it's sad when I was like me and every other United fan genuinely got excited when Sancho shot, finally got a shot on target in like the 60th minute. And that was like Manchester United's first shot on target. And every United fan were screaming like they just scored a goal. And, you know, that's just the state of things at the moment. It's just, it's gotten, it's gotten that bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's, as we said, it's like a tale of two teams right now. But I mean, we'll see. Like, yeah. You kind of anticipated, though. It's like, if Man U don't really finish the season well, it is to their benefit, so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's all part It'll, of the plan. <laughs> it is all part of the plan. I mean, not going to lie. Phil Jones starting, kind of sus. You know, such a big game like this, it's like, all right. <laughs> it's like, What's that's kind of disrespect. <laughs> it's like, you're really starting Phil Jones against us? Come on. And then bringing on Hannibal, man. What the heck? So Yeah, it was it's like, funny. He came on angry. He did. <laughs> oh like, man. man! Hey, if you if I you mean, don't if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So, <laughs> so 
You got to take everything at this point. The whole season's been a joke, so you just kind of just kind of laugh it off and hope hope for better days. Hope for better. It's days, historical, but. but in the wrong ways. <laughs> you got that right, man. Uh, but yeah, uh, we wanted to keep this uh, this episode kind of like just to towards like the Liverpool Manchester United match. It was a big one, but as we said before, it went to the favor of Liverpool's way. Um, wanted to keep the pot a little uh, short and simple with this one, but. Yeah, that kind of wraps up season four, episode 140 of, uh, for us. As we always say, you can follow us at the Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us or subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Premier Pod. Um, you can send us any questions you have on Instagram or Twitter. We'd be sure to reply back to them. If you listen to this uh, show on Apple Podcasts, please uh, make sure to leave us a rating and review. It helps us get noticed and bumped up to other people. If not, if you want to share it with someone that is a friend or a friend of yours that is a fan of Premier League or soccer in general, that would definitely be a great help to us and we appreciate any help, any help we can get it. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening um, to episode 140 of the Premier Pod. Thanks. Peace. Peace. Peace.